So, um, you guys, part of what we're going to be doing on Thursday nights is going to be a bit uh, experimental. So you never know what's going to happen. Um, for, for one thing, communion is going to be quite different um, because of the tables. And uh, we, we may do some different things. We may set up differently from time to time. But um, really the idea isn't to just change it up. But um, something I was listening to here recently is that sometimes we need to flip the script. That, that we get used to things a particular way and God wants to move in our lives in such a way not to just turn things over just to turn things over but to turn them over so that we have to trust in him instead of trusting in things that, that we've begun to you know just follow after and one of those things I think can be the Sunday morning thing is that okay we go to church on a Sunday morning but is that the only time that the Lord wants to meet with us and how are we allowing him to speak into our lives on a daily basis? And so sometimes, you know, flipping the script can cause us to have to think differently about where God is. And, and can I just again say that um, this is not church? You guys are going to hear this all probably summer long. This is not church. This is the gathering of an expression of the church, but this is not church. When you drive by this building, you should not say, that's my church, because this building is not the church. I know you all have grown up with that, and you're just stuck in a rut, but this is where we need to flip the script. This is not the church. Get it out of your brain. Get it out of your vernacular, because it's, you, I know some of you, I might be reading you wrong, but there's some of you that probably think, oh, he's just on a kick. But I'm telling you guys, if we continue on this way, we miss the point of being the, the fullness of what God wants us to do. When, when he walks into a room, everything changes. When you walk into a room, everything changes. So... Hey, Richard, back there on that, um, there's a slide that's my illustration number six for the, see if you can find it there, click on it, and then you have to click on the play button for some reason. There you go. So I want to continue this on. We're almost done with this, this part of the series, but I, I really want to catch up with something, and I'm going to try and move along fairly quickly, so, so stick with me. Um, and I'm doing this without notes tonight because I felt like that's where the Lord says, I want to flip the script on you, Kenny. Sometimes you do this on a Sunday morning, and most of the time you guys don't know because I don't say anything. And maybe you do know because if you've been around me long enough like Christy, Christy may be going, man, he doesn't have his notes right now. This is, this is going to be the, the long sermon, you know. Um, <laughs> We used to joke about that if Pastor Kenny was tired, it was going to be a long sermon on Sunday morning. But uh, I want to move this along because we need to talk about what I said on Sunday about uh, this idea that restoration is the heart of intercession. And what I want to do is, is go back to this illustration and, and talk about the tabernacle, the the. Uh, tabernacle of Moses or the tent of meeting 
And so first we have the outer court, and that was, like I said before, that was a seven, seven and a half foot tall fence made of white linen. And so as this fence is, you'd go through the gate, and the first thing you'd see going into the gate, and by the way, we're set up perfectly here, because the gate would, you'd be going this way. And so you'd be looking at this, and you'd see the brazen altar, and that's where the sacrifice would be made. And then the priest would move to the, uh, the laver, the, that's that little blue dot right there, move to the laver, they'd wash their hands and their feet, and then the priest would go inside the door into the holy place, and the only light that would be in there would be from the lampstand on the left, uh, or on the south side, the table of showbread, or the table of the bread of presence. These are all gold, by the way, that inside there is all gold. Outside in the outer court is bronze. So then there's the golden altar of incense. And, and we've talked about the lampstand, the table of showbread. I, I don't know if you guys have noticed on the left-hand side, the way, the truth, and the life. Anybody notice that? Because that's been up before, that, that illustration. So we've got atonement. We've got an entrance. We've got holiness, prayer access, and, and we're going into fellowship and eternal life. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's being told in the temple that Moses heard from God to build, and, and that, he's, that God said, this is a shadow of the things in the heavenlies. These are a pattern of the real thing that's going on in heaven. And so as we look at this... Um, <clears throat> I want, I want you guys to notice that blue arrow. I, I put that arrow in there um, simply because, and I don't have a nice little middle aisle to walk down, is that if we, if we see ourselves as being drawn into the place of sacrifice that's being made, we're being drawn to this place of the, the, the washing of our hands, the washing of our feet, and then we're entering into this holy place, and there's the light that, that represents the light of Christ is at the very center of that lampstand. And it's giving light to the other uh, tribes. And then we have the table of the bread of presence. Again, we, we see this. But the point of all this, you guys, is to get you to the golden altar of incense. What does that represent? All of these other things are, are very tactile. You can, you can feel them. You put your hand on the sacrifice, and, and you feel the lifeblood flow out of that animal. This is very sensory. Remember we talked about that when Adam and Eve sinned, that the spiritual lights got turned out. And when the spiritual lights got turned out, God said, I'm going to redeem a people, but the first thing I've got to do is I've got, the only thing I've got to work with right now are their five senses. And so when you enter in, you know, first of all, the first thing you see out there in the, the desert or in the wilderness is you see this white curtain against the back, backdrop of wilderness. Do you guys think a white linen fence would probably catch your attention? So as you see this, everything is, is very touch-related, but here's what I love about this, is the golden altar of incense represents something else going on, and that is there's this aroma going up, and you can smell it, but you can't touch it. 
You can't feel it. It's, it's this, this whole thing that's it's moving us from this touch and feel and, and see, and, and, and we can pick things up and we can move things around, but then there's this thing that's going up, and, and then on top of that, and we'll talk about this hopefully next week, is then there's this presence of God in this pillar of cloud. And, and man, it's tempting to just go right into that right now, but we'd be here for another hour, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use discipline right now, all right? So when, when you see all of these things, God is moving the Israelites from just a touchy-feely experience into awakening their spirit and awakening their spirit in, in the, this place of prayer. Because the, the altar of incense represents Jesus praying for us. Where, where is Jesus right now, according to Scripture? He's at the right hand of the Father, interceding for who? Us. And so first off, that's what that represents. That's, a, that's the pattern or the shadow that, that the priests are revealing right there. But God wants us to move into that place as well. It's not a matter of this is something for the professionals. And this is one of the things, that I'm, I'm sorry, you guys. I'm probably going to just up, upend a few things as we go through this summer and, and, and we talk about things. But ministry is not just for the professionals. You are a chosen generation, a holy priesthood. Wow. You are a holy priesthood, and the intention is for each one of us to get to that place where, let me put it this way. You know, Jackie, you brought up so, so wonderfully, and you didn't have a clue what I'm talking about, but you said, hey, you know, be at home means come over, hang out. Hey, thought we'd make spaghetti. You know, the whole idea of the altar of incense is that we don't stay where the sacrifice was made. It's that we go in and we have relationship, we have fellowship with God our Father, God our Creator. And this relationship is going and growing and moving. And we begin to realize that God can talk to us about things. God wants to speak into our lives about things. He wants us to ask Him, hey, God, is it okay if I do this? What do you think about this, Lord? Do you think God cares about the things that you do on a daily basis? And so when we think about intercession, <laughs> there's, there's so many things that I want to say uh, about this subject, but um, I told the Lord I wouldn't use my notes, so... Um, what I want to do is ask you guys to turn to Luke 22. Because I, I want to tie this in to the New Testament. And while you're turning there to Luke 22, we have examples of Abraham interceding. You guys remember Abraham interceding for Sodom with God? God's saying, you know, should I reveal to Abraham what I'm, what I'm going to do? And, and Moses, there's repeated times where Moses intercedes for the people. And, and I've come, come to a conclusion on this, you know, because it used to bother me. Sometimes the interaction between Moses and God was kind of like, man, God, you're kind of mean. 
You guys ever thought that? You, look, you read through some of that stuff and you think, man, Moses is really having to stand in the gap. Well, I'm convinced of this. God was setting Moses up to teach him to stand in the gap. He was working on Moses' heart. Why, why do I say that? Because Moses was the guy that thought the way to s- solve the problem was to kill the Egyptian. So let's work on your people skills, Moses. Let's, let's work on your skills of what really matters. And so as we, as we look at different examples in Scripture, the, the best example is Jesus, and there's repeated times, including John chapter 17. But I wanted us to look tonight quickly at Luke 22, verse, start in verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Now, I'm not even going to try and get into the theological discussion of Satan asking, hey, I want to sift him. And the only thing I can liken it to is God going before, or uh, Satan going before God and saying, you know that Job guy? And, and I'm pretty sure that we're probably looking at the same kind of situation. Yeah, God, you know, Jesus has that guy named Peter. I don't think he's probably quite as good as, as your son thinks he is. I'd like a shot at him. And you know, you know what I love about that is, is not only did Peter get a shot from the enemy, but what we really need to see here is... That Jesus says, but I have prayed for you. Let, let that sink in for a minute. Because as you're sitting here, <coughs> Jesus is praying for you. And you say, how's he doing that? How's he praying for Hans and Libby and Ken and, and Dwayne and, and Tommy? And, and, you, and it blows your mind, doesn't it? Because I can't pray for that many people very, very well at one time. And, uh, and all I can say is, is what happens in heaven is way beyond what we can imagine, you guys. And we're told that in Scripture. But Jesus says, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. So the heart of intercession is restoration. The reason why No matter where you would take me in Scripture, I can make a point that there is intercession taking place, and the purpose is to bring restoration. And ultimately, what that illustration says up there is the restoration of relationship with God so that we walk in communion with God on a daily basis, not just on Sundays or just Thursday nights. So when I want to kick the dog when I want to yell and scream at somebody, I, I need to remember that I am walking in communion with him. Amen? So if I'm walking in communion with him, and, and what we talked about on Sunday was that whatever we do, we do is unto the Lord. So if I'm watching TV, I'm watching TV unto the Lord. Wait, is that even, is that right? 
Can you do that? Whatever you do. So what it boils down to, you guys, is are there some things that you do that maybe you shouldn't do? Maybe. But this is where legalism comes into the church, is when I start telling you what you can and can't do when it's not clear-cut. In other words, Scripture doesn't mention anything about TV. And, and I'm using this because it's, it's such a common, common thing for us. But if you stop watching or you stop doing something because the Lord told you to do that, to stop doing that, or you start doing something because the Lord told you to do it, that doesn't mean that it's a matter of salvation if you start or stop that. Does that make sense, you guys? And so as... As we look at this part here where Jesus says, but I have prayed for you, and there's two things, two things. <coughs> there's two things that are very important. First of all, here, it is, here is Jesus interceding for his faith not to fail because he knows that the enemy's intent is for Peter's faith to fail. So he says, first of all, I'm praying for you that your faith not fail. Second of all, I'm praying for you that when your faith doesn't fail, that you return to your brethren and strengthen them. So here's my two points for you tonight. Intercession should cause us to seek the restoration, first of all, of our brothers and sisters around us. And it should always cause us to return to one another and seek that restoration of relationship and, and helping in that so that there's a strengthening and a helping that takes place between us. That's why it says not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It's not a matter of you have to go to church on Sunday. What's, what's the problem with that? We don't go to church. We are the church. We need to be in fellowship. We need to be doing those things. But we can't do those things if we think it's a matter of going to when we live it. It lives in us. We can't go somewhere where we are. <laughs> we already are. I'm going to go where I are. So, so again, I just want to repeat those two things. That First of all, Jesus is praying that your faith not just fa doesn't fail, but I believe Jesus is praying for us that our faith be strengthened as we come together with the same intent that Jesus was telling Peter that, your, that you strengthen your brothers and sisters in this whole thing. That nobody's alone in this. Okay, so that's one thing. So what time is it? I'm actually going to look tonight. Okay, 7.26. Okay, we got done with worship at 5 after, so that means I still have another 5 or so minutes. All right. It's, it's Jackie's fault. She, she's owning up to it right now. Wayne. Don't have to be so legalistic. Thanks, Wayne. Somebody in here is wanting to throw something at Wayne. I just know. Yeah. Duck, Wayne. Oh, here. Can I? I just want, I want to tell you guys something that maybe you'll think this isn't a big deal and 
But if the heart of intercession is restoration, if the, if the, if the goal is to see restoration in people's lives because we intercede for them, then can we see ourselves as constantly having the opportunity to intercede for people who, who need the Lord? Do you need the Lord? I need the Lord. I need you guys praying for me. And you say, well, I thought you were saved. Well, yeah, I'm saved, but I know that the enemy wants to sift me like wheat as well. And we need to pray for one another. But here's one of the little things that I found out in my study. You guys were kind of set up tonight in a way that years ago I wanted to do. Some, I don't know if anybody's here right now that knows that I wanted to do this or not, but I actually wanted to get uh, restaurant tables in here. I wanted this to be set up like a restaurant. I wanted there to be coffee available, uh, but mostly what I wanted to do is do what you guys did tonight, and that is there was a roar of fellowship when you guys started sitting down and you began talking and fellowshipping with one another. And it was beautiful. And years ago, I wanted to get restaurant tables. I wanted in the front. I wanted restaurant tables. In the back, as we went back, I wanted bar bar height tables, so the people that like to sit at the bar height tables could sit back there and they'd feel like they were over everybody and they could see better. But the idea of this is, I thought, you know, it'd just be it'd be fun to do that because I think it would encourage us to realize that there's a place where we need to interact around the word and not just kind of receive and then leave. Well, last night, or actually I think it was the day before, um, I found, I started doing a study on restoration. And did you know that the Latin word, and I can't even say it right now, but for restoration is related to the same Latin word that we get restaurant from. So, what do you get when you go to a restaurant usually? Service. Service, Service. exactly. And we call this a worship. Service. But wouldn't it be fun if we were actually, serve, if we saw ourselves as serving one another? Maybe even trying to outdo one another. I, I know, I, I'll pick on Dave just for a moment because I think at our last square meal, Dave was like in there hovering over the food and making sure everything was in place and a few people were like, Dave, go ahead and eat. And he was having fun in there. And, and, and there's different ways that that can take place. But I want you guys to understand something. When I read the, um, the origin of the word restaurant, it was because way, 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 way back, it was related more to being able to cook different broths and different stews that were medicinal, or at least that they believed were medicinal. And so if you start thinking in terms of the church is meant to be a restaurant, you guys with me? Then this makes a lot of sense for us to begin to set up this way. Because it's not just medicinal in what you eat, it's medicinal in what you exchange together. Because a lot of us don't slow down long enough to have an exchange of life. Some of you don't know much about one another in this building. I mean, you maybe have watched a football game together, maybe you've 
went out to, to lunch, but there are different people in here that you would never hang out with. For instance, did you guys know that Natalie is a wonderful dancer? I, I, I'm embarrassing her, maybe, maybe a little, maybe a lot. But I didn't know until I went to see some of our grandkids and uh, the Schatz's kids dance, and there were Schnackenbergs <coughs> dancing. And uh, Brooke was up there dancing. And then all of a sudden, Natalie was up there dancing, and I was like, wow! You know, not only do, can my grandkids, you know, dance, but we got other kids in this church that can dance. Why am I saying that? Because maybe we should have our own dinner theater. You know, I, I haven't talked, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot, Alex, but one of the things I'd, I'd love to see is for you to be able to share about your trip more in this kind of format because it's very, it's, it's way more relaxing than a Sunday morning when everybody's sitting in rows. And uh, so I, I guess I'm trying to tell you guys is this restaurant style thing may be something that sticks around for a while because we need to have a concept of the restorative work of partaking of food because doesn't your body get restored when you partake of food? So there's that restoration of partaking of that food, but there's the restoration of partaking of spiritual food. But also, you're not meant to just receive all of the food. You're meant to give of some of that food. And so, um, has the Lord spoken anything at all to you tonight? Some of you are nodding your heads. Some of you are thinking maybe it's rhetorical. I want you to turn to somebody and tell them maybe one thing that you got out of tonight besides, man, I hope we can leave soon. Okay. <laughs> All right. Seriously, take, take a moment and turn to somebody near you and tell them something that the Lord's speaking to you. It could be what's been shared tonight. It could be something completely different. What translation are you in? Oh. 
I'll have to Huh. I've never seen it that way. All right, let's wrap up. If, if y'all can help with just the real um, practical stuff of clearing your plates and, and things like that, and parents, just one other thing that I would mention to you. When you come in, a lot of times we're going to have things cut up, adult portion, but we'll always have something there so that you can make the portions smaller for your children. Um, and I'm only saying that because I don't want anybody to come in late and not have something because we've just taken huge portions. Um, so let's let's watch out for one another that way and, and help our kids at the same time. Um, you, you know what I liked about listening to you guys? One, there was that you guys actually were doing it. <laughs> at least I think you were. Either that or you were just watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. But Pamela up here had a really good um, observation in, in her NIV, and it's also in the Amplified, that Jesus was saying uh, that Satan has asked for all of you to sift you like wheat. And so when we look at it from that standpoint, he, he wants to sift everybody. Um, but as the Lord prays for us and as our faith is strengthened, then let's return to one another and strengthen one another. And that's part of that sharing those things and, and those observations. Yeah, Richard. Yeah, he didn't pray that he wouldn't. Well, that's so good, too. That, that Satan wouldn't sift him. And, and that's, that's usually what I like to pray. I don't want to go through the sifting, Lord. Yeah. If I got to, I got to. Yep. Amen. All right, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to approach your throne in worship. Thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us outside in the outer court, but Lord, you invite us in to the holy place, and your goal is to bring us into the holy of holies, Lord, that we would have that conversation, that restoration of fellowship, that place, Lord, where we not only get to know you more, but we get to be known more. And that, Lord, in that process, Lord, there is restoration. 
as you have interceded for us on the cross, as you have interceded for us in your resurrection power. So Lord, be glorified in our lives as we apply the word and as we are your church in this world. Lord, as we receive tithes and offerings, be glorified in our giving. Be exalted, God, in our worship. In Jesus' name, amen.